Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. And hello, everybody, on this historic day. This is the day Donald Trump was finally indicted on felony charges, which are quite impressive. Eric Garland, you and I have been at this for a good few years. I was counting and I came to six, but some people suggested it might even be seven. And so, uh, it's been 80 years. It's been 80 years. Finally, this man that seems to have been protected by generations and generations of law enforcement officials and prosecutors, people who had set up a system that allowed some people to get away with things. Finally, that system is not letting people get away with things. And I think we saw with those 34 counts of making false statements, which as we'll discuss later, was also attached to felony crimes. That's a big deal. So tell me how you feel today. I like the nice, meaty, non-stormy Daniels connected prosecutions that have less media glitz and schlitz involved, like prosecutions about January 6th or about illegally transported defense information. But hey, I reset my expectations and go, wait a minute, we've crossed, we have crossed a threshold here. As you just said, these people and people like Trump have gotten away with pretty much everything for decades. And this guy was president of the United States at the end of the day, and he just caught 34 counts. Yeah. Our system is set up to make sure that guys in those positions don't ever get charges like that. And this guy just did. And I think that portends very interestingly dark things for all the other people down the line who are just as much or more criminal and are used to getting away with it, this may be a real sea change. I think that's a very good point. And look, we have all suspected here for a long time, at least I've suspected that the reason Donald Trump was never indicted before this was because he was a confidential informant for the FBI and and probably some other agencies. That is obviously not the case anymore. Obviously, something happened between before and now that allowed Donald Trump to be indicted in the way he's been indicted, not only on a state level as he's been done today, but what is likely to happen in the next few weeks on a federal level of the various crimes you've just mentioned. I too am a fan of the more serious crimes in that I think that they fit this, the weight of what we're going through here better than this particular crime. The Stormy Daniels crime feels to me like it's going to be designed for the tabloids. It's designed for a market in New York that I know pretty well. It works, but the New York market is not a straight line and it's certainly not always fully, fully following the law. And there's a lot of influences in the New York market, whether it's the media or the mob or local politicians or you name it, that can mm-hmm. shift a, a prosecution like this in a million ways. So while it's amazing that they've got this, it's not my ideal case because I think the federal cases are more stable. I think they'll be taking place in a more collegial, more transparent system than the one in New York. And I think that that means that Trump has less opportunity to screw around with them. But regardless, it is interesting to note that he is facing these charges, that he is now not necessarily protected by whatever confidential informant agreements he might have constructed with Rudy Giuliani back in the 80s or whoever it was in the following years. And up until now, that statement that he's made about, I shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and no one will arrest me, was basically based on this idea that he had this protection from the confidential informant agreements that he had. 
he does not appear to have those confidential informant agreements in holding anymore because he wouldn't be sitting there today looking like this. That would not have happened. So it seems that he has lost that protection. I wonder if other people have also lost that protection tonight, as you point out, because there's a lot of other people involved in these schemes that Donald Trump and others have concocted over the years to profit, to manipulate our politics, to change who's in power in this country. And they've also been protected by some sort of agreements with the law in being confidential informants. So perhaps he's not the only one who might be now held accountable for the crimes they've committed in the last few decades. Yeah, it's funny. He said, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and not get arrested. Now he can't even falsify business records and get away with it. How the mighty have fallen. Which is a standard business practice in New York City, I suspect. If you're running one of these enterprises where you're suddenly not paying any taxes, you're doing it because you're cooking the books. So there's a little bit of money laundering going on in New York. Just a scoot. Yeah. So what do you think of this confidential informant agreement? I know these things have been around for a long time. And do you think that perhaps America Garland took a deep, long, hard look at this and said, maybe it's time to rescind these? Trump has a whole new set of factors in his life. Like, for one thing, he was president of the United States, which is very special. And then he committed seditious conspiracy with a whole bunch of traitors. These are capital crimes. So he's got that going on. Is he a confidential informant the way he may have been when he was running his Trump Taj in Atlantic City or his various New York properties. Was he in a position then to show various government entities who was doing business through his properties back in the day? Yeah, that was his stock and trade. Now he's been witness to, and he's been a perpetrator of great crimes, and he's been a witness to many great crimes by the people that were surrounding him and trying to influence him while he was in in the White House. And of course, the end of his his administration ended in massive felony, the greatest betrayal this country's ever January experienced. 6th, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he's he's got a lot more problems being prosecuted now, but he is like ideally placed to bear witness to everybody else around him. Jared Kushner, Bannon, those you think he might flip. Trump is in an incredibly special position, like whether he flips or not, it's, this is not like the traditional, okay, I'm going to play both sides here. I'm going to go play cards with my buddies at El Caribe and Michael Cohen's restaurant that we all hang out at in Brooklyn. And then I'm also going to like have a little tete-a-tete with the FBI on Thursday. This is different than that. This guy is, he's up for possibly the death penalty kinds of crimes with the stuff he's committed. And he has been in this ideal witness position. He was president of the United States. He was privy in some part to all of our most sensitive secrets and all the other betrayals that went on then. So he's in a position to give up the huge swaths of the most corrupt people in America. I don't know, Donald Trump could, if he wanted to, he could be extremely useful. That's a very good point. He could be incredibly useful because it would be the honorable thing to do, in fact, to be useful at this point in terms of fighting what is a ideological war that we're having in this world between democracies and dictatorships. And whether he might have been fully aware of what was going on in 2016 or not, I don't know. But whether he knew this oncoming ideological battle was about to happen and that he was being used in that, he certainly was a big factor in that 
ideological battle. And four years later, six years ultimately, but four years after he's, he took office, we began fighting a real war between these two countries. And thanks to Joe Biden, we are winning that war. But still, it is the enormous amount of damage that was caused to America through the attack on democracy in 2016 by the enemies of democracy, China, Russia, Israel, Saudi Arabia, UAE, you name it, there's a list of them, has been quite remarkable, quite dramatic. And he, maybe he realizes that now, maybe he realizes that the cost of participating in that war might be too great. And maybe it is time for him to fess up to some of the things that, that he did. Certainly when you look at the Mar-a-Lago case, where we are now led to believe by his own statements that he is looking for some sort of money. When he said to Hannity the other day, Nixon got $18 million. Well, how about that, that huh? What does that how mean? How about the, what? I, I guess I wasn't the only one who perked up at that. It's like, wait, yeah. wait, what? How, wait, we paid Nixon millions of dollars did. for did classified you know stuff that he took? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I don't know. It must be classified. <laughs> You'd think it was classified. If who paid that money to the guy and what was in those documents and why were, why are we paying ex-presidents for their documents which aren't, don't even belong to them? And so you yeah, know no. that in his brain, he was thinking he's getting money for this. That's basically what he was admitting. He's also, I don't know if he intended to do this, but he's kind of like tattling on the Republican Party for the last 50 years. Like, points. remember, Nixon didn't walk out at the end of an election. He walked out a little early. Yes, yes, he did. And obviously and so carrying he, some things. So yeah. to, to, to my point is that there's a lot that he might be aware of now that he's willing to share over the many years he and the and his mob members have been participating with the Republican Party and foreign intelligence agencies to hurt the United States. Maybe there's a lot more that he can realize that he can share, like that $18 million, and also just come clean on some of the schemes that they've had, because that's just one scheme. Can you imagine how much more there are? And certainly the documents yeah. that he had with him and may still have with him, who knows, at, at Mar-a-Lago are a prime example of where we could use someone to share real details about where that information was going to. Because by some accounts, these were on the open market out there, that he was took espionage level, important secrets of the United States and was selling them on the black market around the world. That is, if he was doing that, boy, I'd like to know who he was selling them to. That's a real question there. And that made me think, let's see, who would have been around during that period of time? Who would have known like some of the Nixon guys in that... Roger Stone. <laughs> Roger Stone might have. And who else was around then? Like Paul Manafort. Manafort. Like, I think Paul Manafort was around then, yeah. Weren't they in a company together? They did a big, they had a company. And there's another guy, Atwater, I think was the guy's name. Yeah. Oh, just a little post-Nixon. And then yeah. the guys on the inside of the Ford administration were Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld and some others. Yeah. And you... Let's not forget the Bush what? year. Sorry, the Reagan years. Certainly with VP Bush. And then also Oliver North was in there and others. There's a... Interesting, the group of people that Kissinger was involved in that whole, those yes. administrations are doing all sorts of deals around the world that were probably quite enriching for themselves and uh, and also quite damaging to the United States and also probably very illegal. Did you, did you see the interview with Hannity, with Trump Hannity, where yeah. Hannity's like, okay, let's move on. Yeah. Like, if, <laughs> he's like, you wouldn't do that, would you? Oh, no, he's going to say that he would do that. Okay, $18 million and talk about... Yeah, I don't have time. I'm busy, but I would, but I have, but I hadn't. It's like, what? Uh, and he was like, where is he going? Oh, my gosh. He has a habit of doing this. Remember, he did that right at the very beginning of his administration when he was talking about that Russia thing and the and why he fired the Comey back then. So he's a habit of going on NBC TV or other networks 
and admitting things that he shouldn't. I want to push back on that. I think Trump is a lot. Everyone, the whole line on him during the Trump years from the media was, and from various influencers of different levels of organic integrity, where like, oh, he's an idiot. He's a moron. He's, oh, he's mentally incompetent and he's fading. Nah, he's been playing this media game a long time. And moments like that Hannity interview tell me that he's still doing what I saw during his administration, which is he lets out little snippets of information in those rants that are for a very targeted audience. Let me give you just one. Mm-hmm. Remember when he was talking with Dr. Bergster and, and I think Fauci's in the room and he's talking about COVID and he's like, yeah, maybe you can just shine a light on it and it'll go away. And everyone goes, oh, he's an idiot. And I was thinking, oh, he's talking about the patent on ultraviolet light that takes out coronaviruses, which is owned by Bill Gates. Oh, is that interesting? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I was like, oh, and everyone's like, he's an idiot. I'm like, is he or is he a guy with super top secret clearance who can say something and knows he sounds like a jamoke from Queens? And, but the people, the eight people in the audience he wanted to get that, who might go, you know, maybe they maybe got they it. No thing. Yeah. He let, does let the quiet part out loud. He does do that. And, it's interesting that you mentioned Microsoft because I was looking up things today that happened on this day in history. One of the things that happened on this day in history, and I don't remember the year, but it was in the 70s, I think. Microsoft was born on this day of 1975 or something like that. Also today, we should mention before we leave this historic day and keep focusing on, on, on Trump here, but today was also the day the NATO was formed officially. Oh, 70 no. something years ago. And oh, okay. today was the day that NATO got a new member. So if you look at this, alliance of Donald Trump and Putin. And yes, Trump-Russia really was a thing. Sure. We're still here a few years later, and the Biden administration just scored a big win by getting Finland to join NATO. And now that border along the Finnish-Russian border there is now a NATO border. That's another... Doubled the size of NATO's border with Russia. Doubled it. 1,100 more miles of border that's close to St. Petersburg. We can fly electronic warfare flights over that border, do deep penetrating radar. Oh no, this was Putin's nightmare. It was Putin's I, nightmare. I went back to my, my thread of December 11th, 2016. I went back to the original thread. Tweet number three was, Putin wants to break up our intel alliances, cause chaos in NATO. Boom. Yeah. And that, because it's Russia. What do they want? They want NATO out, 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 out. And so this is a historic day because and it is harmonious that whatever, for whatever reason, Trump gets indicted on this day. And yes, there was a Trump Russia. It obscured Trump Saudi, Trump Emirati, Trump Malaysian, whatever. Yes, but there was also a big Russian mob in New York, Trump Russia thing. And today, and Putin was behind a lot of operations against us, have been for 100 years. And today was his nightmare. Today is the... A, a grand demonstration of Putin's weakness as a leader. You're 100% correct. And to build on top of that, not only has he lost lost this ideological war, maybe he's lost this physical border war that he's had, that he had NATO pushed back at least beyond some countries. Now he's going to face NATO in Ukraine. He's going to face NATO in Finland. There's just, that's what the things, that's what everything's looking like. But I also want to talk about the end of what appears to be the Russian mob in the in at least parts of the United States, maybe in all of the United States. We talk about the beginning of the end, as I called today's show. It's the beginning of the end of a lot of things, but I think it's the beginning of the end of Trump's freedom, potentially. It's the beginning of the end of 
Russia's aggressive stance to the world, but it's also beginning of the end of this very pernicious cancer that has grown in the United States called the Russian mob, which has certainly may have entered the United States in a way that was laudable, or people might have been thankful that they got rid of the Cosa Nostra. I don't know if they, that's a good way of getting rid of the Cosa Nostra, but let's say that that was something. I say no. Did. I don't think so. Certainly not. Doesn't <laughs> judging by where we landed up, it doesn't make sense. But this Russian mob has been holding court in at least Brooklyn, but certainly all of Eastern Seaboard for a long time, and that is now does, they don't seem to have the power that they had because witness their candidate Donald Trump who supposedly was unable to be prosecuted, is finally there today getting indicted and arraigned on 34 counts. And it's just the start of his trouble. So if that's happening, it's a clear sign that this criminal organization that has been fostering a whole lot of crime and illegal activity and creating a system that is just unjust in the United States is being broken down by the Department of Justice in ways that are visible and invisible. And I think it's something worth really pointing out tonight that that is a significant beginning of an end that we're seeing as well. So th this may seem tangential, but I assure you it is not, given my research. We had a sudden resignation from a certain construction company here in St. Louis that was behind a building called the Railway Exchange Building that was a mm -hmm. rehab job in a major old building in downtown St. Louis. And there were two strange contractor business partners who were taking their salaries and their, I believe their health benefits and the, uh, the money for the lease on their cars out of this building. And it was Lev Parnas and Ihor Fruman. Ever present. And, <laughs> yeah. And they, this, I've been sounding the alarm on this for a while. And of course there were some St. Louis aldermen who had given some tax abatements to this building. Of course, three of those aldermen from that crew are in penitentiary right now. And just last Thursday, all of a sudden, the head of one of the construction company behind it just suddenly, boop, disappeared. And sorry, suddenly quit. Shouldn't say mm -hmm. disappeared because we have some of that too. Yeah, That's a, an eyesore. I've been talking about this whole project going, hey guys, why do we have the Ukrainian-Russian mob? Or why are they able to use this as a little money sink for them to run oper espionage operations in Ukraine. That seems like a problem. And it's just a sentinel event. It's a small thing that may be a signal of other things. Certainly some of the Russian oligarchs being extradited from Italy or Australia or whatnot, that these are brighter lights on, on, on the radar. But yeah, it's time for these guys to start being wrapped up and sounds like we're on the way. It does. It certainly looks to me like the lights are on at the Department of Justice and they are, no one is Woo. immune. No one is immune to prosecution right now. And that is the message that everyone would have gotten today at Donald Trump was arraigned today because it, there are enormous crimes, as you point out, that take place every year that don't get prosecuted because there is some sort of agreement or some guy's untouchable oh, yeah. or someone has this politician in his pocket or some guy doesn't mm -hmm. have that politician in his pocket. I mean, just endless. I asked um, Bard, the new Google AI, to to come up with a chronological list of everything that Donald Trump had done that allegedly was a criminal <laughs> since 1973. And this and is the you needed a supercomputer for it. <laughs> and thank you, Bard. You're a, you're a good friend. I keep thinking of him as a human being, but of course he's not. <laughs> have you ever tried these things? They're delicious because they do all your work for you, but you have to double check everything because you're never really sure that they are, they're accurate. But in this case, I did double check and I believed Bard. There's a lot of crimes here. It starts in 1973. The $1.2 million Justice Department charges on their rental practices that he and his father had. Remember, his father was a mobster. His father was in bed with the, or correct me, the Gambinos or the Genovese's? I think the Genovese. And uh, Genovese. yeah, 
and laundering money for this group of people. And then to some extent, they got away with it. It was a racist crime. And in, in 1984, th th this was a racist crime. They were sued for violating the Fair Housing Act. They settled that for just $200,000 of fine. But an another big crime that they were basically got away with. And then the list just goes in, on and on. There's the SEC crimes in 1982, Trump accused of assault. And then there's a list of women that are that in 1983, in 96, in 2000, just a list of women who've been assaulted or accused of sexual assault by him. And this goes on all the way through 2016. And then on it goes. But the truth of it is, this guy has been walking away with crimes for a very long time. And the fact that he today was sitting in a court in a defendant's chair and by all accounts, People who were in the courtroom with him said he was scared. He looked scared. He looked very, very serious. This was not your typical Donald Trump, as I think reality was sinking in that he is no longer in charge and he no longer has a get out of jail free card. Oh, he's made his last free choice for a while. Whether he ends up in classic prison with bars in front of it and a jumpsuit, he's in prison of another sort. He's yeah. privy to such information. We're not going to put him in the, in the yard to like do bench presses and get tattoos in Armenian or anything. He just knows too but much. He might. So he's, he might be. I, don't, I would just push back. He might be. Because I think at some point that there's a kind of a piss off factor, which gets so annoying to people that, you know, he might land up in a yard because the mere fact that he's running for election for the presidency again. Knowing everything that he has done and knowing where he's heading to and knowing that these cases are coming up against him and that he's going to continue to raise money. I don't know where or whom he's given money to him, but nevertheless, he's raising money of these indictments and then going to run an election campaign is mind boggling that this man has the goal to do that. And I think at some point a judge might actually say to hell with it, you go into jail. Who knows? We'll see. He certainly should die in jail. And the amount of crimes this guy has committed. We keep forgetting about this grand thing that happened in 2016, we'll get to the case today in a second, but in 2016, he was installed as a president in the United States, beholden to foreign governments, beholden to at least Russia and China, but probably yeah. others, Israel. Yeah, it's really not, bad. It's really serious crime. And then threatened to destroy America by wrecking all our alliances, by allowing yeah. coronavirus into this country and letting yeah. it spread like wildfire, killing millions of people and then crashing the economy on the back end of it. This is all yeah. something he did because, yeah. because he did. And these yeah. are not, these are, yes, we know him and he's likable as a person because we've lived with him for so many years. But this man is a serious criminal. He's about as serious a criminal as you can get. He's a traitor and he was trying to destroy our way of life, trying to destroy the ability for people to have freedom around the world and setting up America for an incredible defeat. That is not happening now because he's now in, in jail, but he needs to not run for presidency again. I don't know. I just want to, I don't push back on the, him being a traitor thing, obviously. And I find him an enormous pain in the neck. Didn't really like his presidency. Didn't care for it. No. However, I'm interested in him running for president again. And I'll tell you why. I think at some point, Jack Smith's going to come out here and start taking down everybody that doesn't have presidential immunity. Because like, okay, one, one of the things Jack Smith's, grand jury is investigating is this you know, illegal transportation and of classified documents. As president of the United States, Trump has just very thick immunity on pretty much everything that happened up until January 20th, 21. The people mm -hmm. around him have immunity for things that he ordered directly and that they followed directly under supervision, under a chain of command. But outside of that, if they did anything 
outside of his direct chain of command, they're in enormous trouble. And I think a lot of them did freelance these decisions that were very treasonous and just assumed that he didn't have to be involved in that decision. And so they're liable for that. Jack Smith has all these grand, he's got his grand jury open. They're looking at that information. So if you have Cash Patel and Jared Kushner going down around him, just to see, I would love to see him and Ron DeSantis just tear each other's heads off. And meanwhile, everybody around both of them just starts going to prison left and center. And yeah, we, I'd like we, that too, obviously, but I would like to see a Republican party that actually fields a normal candidate and actually runs normal campaigns and that we actually have a democracy with a two-party system because it's helpful to have a two-party system. No, uh, no country does well when there's only one party. I mean, just, it doesn't tend to work out so good. So we need a Republican party that's actually viable and we're not going to get it with Marjorie nice. Green. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I hear you. That'd be nice. I'd also like to ride a, a unicorn down to the arch this evening, but it would be nice. I just think in the meantime, I, look, I don't think they're saleable. Well, I go back to Joe Well, they, they're not saleable, but maybe something in their place would be nice. There's, oh, yeah. I, I think there's conservatives out there. I just don't think they form this thing called the Republican Party anymore. Yeah. Uh, not every, look, The warnings have been given. I don't think these people are savable. They don't want to be savable. They're, they're, a lot of them are in politics for the wrong reason, but they're not there to make policy. They're there because they, frankly, a lot of them were there because they were dumb enough or venal enough that they would be willing to let China pretty much buy America's democracy off and put an autocracy in its place. And if that's the kind of character and intellect that you are, I'm not sure that democratic Republican government is really your thing. No, I don't think they, they think very much further than this is going to be good for me, but there is a conservative ideology out there that is useful for government. There, it's good to have people sure. are saying, don't spend so much. And, sure. and I'd like to see someone do that. The people who don't think any further than what's in it for me are known as yeah. toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and second graders. Yeah. And that's great, but we don't make them senators. And you know what? There's, there is room for the dull, the selfish, the dysfunctional, but we don't make them a secretary of defense. That's, this is a big theme that I'm working on, especially like here in Missouri, there's a lot of overgrown adult children uh, around. And it's like, no, the actual grownups are coming back because people are getting hurt. And a lot of people are, have been pushed in with various federalist society or Chinese or mob money into their various positions of power where they're just really high school students that have been given the levers of government and they're just harming society. And there are enough grownups now, and we have enough backup from the feds that it's just time for them to sit down, have all the seats and let grownups explain to them how society needs to be run because letting incompetent mobsters run the world is just not working out for the rest of us. So the grownups are here again. I think so. That's really well put. I think that we've had a, we've allowed through our freedoms, so many people to get away with so much and we're keep forgetting that there's a cost to that. There's a cost to these mob figures running our cities and our states and these mob figures landing up in federal government that are just profiting from all your taxpayer dollars to the point where they, our freedoms are hurting us in some ways. I'm not saying you have to clip away those freedoms, but you certainly need to not allow people to get away with crime, which is what we've been seeing for decades now. I want to just go back to today's indictment because yes, no one... I'm one of those people who was like, oh my gosh, Sammy Daniels is what he's going to go down for. I want him to go for, down for something really good. 
I, I was listening to Alvin Bragg today. I read what I could of the indictment before we got on the air. Today. There's, at least this is about the 2016 election. Let me say that. I think this is good because the crime that I'm most flustered about, that certainly changed my life around, that changed your life around, we both spent the last seven years focused on just correcting that thing that happened in 2016, the mm -hmm. great injustice of Donald Trump becoming the president through whatever means he became president. And so I'm glad that this particular case, this indictment is about 2016, ultimately. It's about funding his campaign illegally by paying off this, this porn star named Stormy Daniels. That's fine. That's one thing. But there's also in there a conspiracy between American media and Donald Trump and the Trump campaign to basically run a catch and kill operation to protect Donald Trump during the election. And that to me is, we've known about it. So we certainly discussed it. We've been, we've been aware of some of its other partners like the Saudi government or the Saudi royal family. We've known about this for a long time, but to have it now spelt out in a indictment was very helpful to me because for sure, Donald Trump has been getting away with a lot of crime, but he's also been getting away with a lot of media crime, if you will. He's been hiding stories about himself for decades. And, and knowing now that there is a machine or there was a machine that was helping him do that in the form of the National Enquirer and David Pecker at, the, at American Media is good to know. It's good for me because as a member of the media, as someone who's, who's even been a victim of some of these catch and kills, it's good to know that these things are out there and that they're now prosecutable because in fact, these are illegal campaign contributions, as we found out today from Alvin Bragg. I, I'm glad we're going back to 2016. And this is another case. It's a few days ago now, but a guy named Douglas Mackey, who is a Vermonter, who was online as Ricky Vaughn and causing enormous amounts of havoc online and apparently in, in the real world space as well in election interference. He got in with a really bad crowd, apparently. He was, in, he was convicted by the jury last Friday for his interference in the 2016 election, violating people's civil rights to vote. This was that uh, texting scheme. He suggested right. that people could text their votes, but they couldn't yeah, actually he, he was using disinformation to uh, basically steal African-Americans' right to vote by confusing them about what was a source of information on how they could vote in the election. And one of the most noxious, pernicious things. And as a fellow Vermonter, I could not be more ashamed of him coming from our state. But he was convicted by a jury in the Eastern District of New York. And that was about the 2016 election. And it is good to go back to that election. We know that there was a lot going on in the 2020 election, the Hunter Biden laptop thing and uh, all sorts of operations on all sides. Oh, and the, the attempt to like get rid of the post office and there was a lot there. But I, th I think if you go back like to 2013 and look at the run up of how much foreign money and influence operations and just plain old espionage was aimed at the United States and its democracy, the Brexit. Canada is, of course, having huge revelations about how much China and others have been up in Shocking its election. Game. Yeah, oh, it's, it makes a lot of sense in retrospect if you follow Canadian politics and some of the decisions that have been made. But so we're all coming to this. And I think 2016 is a really good focal point because people in my line of work were like just shocked. Like it all happened so fast. Like, wow, that we know this is out there in the world, but this is everybody is full court press. Nobody has any fear. They're trying to overwhelm us. I'm glad you're bringing up the disinformation aspect of 2016 because the Mackey case was that. The Mackey case was disinformation being used to manipulate the election in 2016. 
And in this case, Trump indictment is also about disinformation being used, the catch and kill, which I it should be disinformation, of course that is. This is the way America was attacked in 2016. This is a way we were manipulated to change our votes. And then I was just going to say that Fox News comes up for its trial, I think, next week. I think they, Of course, they lost on summary judgment. Its trial is not about whether they committed defamation. It's whether it was malicious and punitive. So we're deciding if they're going to be harmed or like bankrupted, I think. Well, that, um, those are three big, significant disinformation things that we've been highlighting here since narrative began. God, it's 2016 when we, we were on the air together. It was, I think it was 18, but... Stop <laughs> counting how many damn years it's been, all right? It's we're both... No <laughs> like good can come of this for our audience, for us. <laughs> it's been 80 years. It's like, been we too long. But it, it, the reality of it is these things were amorphous. They weren't... People didn't even understand what disinformation was. They didn't understand how it worked, how it was impacting their lives on a daily basis. There were definitely no laws around it. And yet here we are finally finding ways to prosecute those things, whether it's the Mackey in the conviction or this now with Donald Trump or what's happening with Fox News is we're tearing down that system that was pushing all this propaganda on us for the last... At the end of the day, cable news, because it was based on private assets and not a public physical and ambient phenomenon, that sounds like really complicated language, but the reason you had the fairness doctrine was because everyone owned the frequencies of the radio and television, yeah. the frequencies that got from a broadcast tower to the television, that's a physical, it's a law of physics. Everybody owns it. Nobody can own it. And you know, how to manipulate it was technology that was made public. So you had this fairness doctrine saying, look, everyone depends on the broadcast frequencies that are out there. So if you're going to broadcast news and if you're going to have a partisan slant, you have to have something fair on the other side. That was the basis of the fairness doctrine in the United States. Of course, the British don't have that. The French don't have that. Germany has its own versions of this. But that was America's deal. When we went to cable TV and the literally running copper wire to people's last mile to their to their houses, that was a private asset. And it was thought, you can broadcast whatever you want on that. And that is when and Fox News came in and CNN came in and MSNBC came in on those frequencies. And we got this 24-hour news cycle for the first time. And it's just been poisonous and it, but not as nearly as poisonous as when you added social media to that and you could start consuming all that media on your own device that belonged to you, that could profile and surveil you as an individual, tie it to your credit score, tie it to your purchasing records, tie it to your, and then once the smartphone came in, man, tie it to your physical location, what church you go to, your mood. You know, you know, your, your move. Yes. Yeah. So 2007, we, we crossed the transom with the iPhone and really 2012 is when Facebook starts doing psychological, psychographic profiling. And yeah, now when, then they start going, instead of just sensing, they're going active. Can we change people's mood? And if you just follow that from like cable news where, you know, there's news as news as entertainment and then go all the way up to news affecting your mood mm -hmm. and how do we push you that's what gets us to maga that's what gets us to 2016 and this total like military grade psychological operations i believe the technology behind cambridge analytica wasn't made public in the united kingdom until 2015 just in time for brexit that's really interesting and, and like 
I think that's the time frame it got declassified or technology transferred into the public space. But there had been people who were using a variant of that, I believe, like Mike Flynn, who had been using that for five plus years in battlefields. Yeah. So he starts, talk, he starts talking about Army of Digital Soldiers. I believe one of the things that was holding back the Cambridge Analytica technology is they were trying to whip it on Pashtun speakers and Dari speakers. And so, it, I think some wiseacres started going, well, what if we could just, what if we could use this on English speakers? And then they started. Yeah. And then they used that to build up their own little MAGO army. They used the same Cambridge Analytica software, whatever it was, to identify who might be vulnerable for any number of things within the Michael Flynn's world, including creating disinformation events or building little cells of resistance. And you've done a great job of describing this fairness doctrine and, and how the collapse of sort of fairness has come around in media and doing the Spy Murdoch show, which is a lot about Rupert Murdoch's relationship with, with Ronald Reagan. Every minute of narratives reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. And that's a quid pro quo mm. that happened between uh, Ronald Reagan and Rupert Murdoch, which involved the Iran-Contra affair, basically. Rupert Murdoch funded Project Democracy, which funded Oliver North's activities in Iran-Contra. And in exchange, he got the Fairness Doctrine knocked out. Rupert Murdoch did. And in exchange, he was allowed to buy more than one TV station in the market and own a newspaper and TV stations in the market. All those things were illegal before he did that. Plus, he kept writing uh -huh. nice things about Ronald Reagan in the Sun newspaper. And so suddenly, Ronald Reagan and Rupert Murdoch were basically in a symbiotic relationship with each other, doing, on the one hand, dark ops around the world and providing cover for him in the media, while Ronald Reagan was out there tearing apart the media landscape so Rupert Murdoch could consume it, leading us all the way up to Fox News, which we know today is just a propaganda machine. So speaking of the old days, like it was February 2017, and Fox was just so very clearly going in all against American democracy mm -hmm. at that point. And I came out and I did a thread that made the rounds and said, Fox News is a hostile foreign propaganda operation and needs to be stopped for national security reasons. And the weirdest things, it was like all these left wing to the left of center media bros from Brooklyn, like all called me mentally ill in, in concert. And it was like, it was this whole, oh, that's too far. It was like, uh, I didn't you expect know. you guys to be the sh knights in shining armor for, for Rupert Murdoch. That is so interesting. It makes it, a lot more sense these days. It does make a lot more sense. And just to be clearer about it, there is a control mechanism on both sides of the political spectrum. If you think that this is just happening on the extreme right wing, you are wrong. It is happening on the left wing too. And so you might be listening to people and uh, believing people that are just as much under the control of America's enemies as the people on the extreme far right that you think you are better than or somehow more sophisticated than. In fact, they might be as, as active, in fact, maybe even more active these days on the extreme left than they are on the extreme right. So it's so important that we start understanding how this, this manipulation of our landscape has happened, that, that there's a, the control is not just, hey, we're going to introduce a whole bunch of crazy right-wing people. There's always a uh, controlled opposition, controlled opposition for issue stuff. We've been talking about theoretically for such a long time, but we can see it now. So I think that the suspicion on who is telling you the truth and who is not telling you the truth and at least making sure that there's some sort of fairness, some sort of factual basis for the stuff you're consuming 
is so important, especially now because the left is the easier part to manipulate. The right is already so distrusted. The extreme left is going to be in the manipulation zone. And we can't allow that to happen. It's funny when you talk about the 34 counts and what the indictment is about today and talking about some, some of the facts in the Trump indictment, which go back to the Access Hollywood tape, which is in a, a nothing burger in some ways. And the guys, Trump was gross and he's gross about women, which is common to a lot of rich dudes in New York City. The point was that that commanded the attention of the public when there's only so many news cycles every day from the time that the primary is settled and there's a convention to when Americans vote. So that happened after, one just after the, actually it was October. It wasn't just after, it was a few weeks from the uh, convention. But we could have been talking about Trump owing the Bank of China $300 million. And we're talking about his, his relationship to grabbing women's genitals. Now, obviously, that's a, an important character trait in somebody, and it shows a general weakness of the character and morality, the personal stuff. But him being owned outright by the Bank of China, as well as other foreign entities, is something that would have been less inflammatory and more dispositive, if you will, more like d definitive of like, oh, this guy can't be present. Because the fact is the, the relationship between adults in the sexual realm is something everybody has a lot of experience with, that people have all been on dates, people have acted inappropriately towards them, maybe they feel guilty about having in acted inappropriately towards other people. It's going to blurry thing that doesn't really go anywhere as a discussion nationally. Whereas, wait a minute. That guy owes China 300 million. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't give him the nuclear launch codes. And so revisiting this story and, you know, how many different news. I remember years back hearing about this Stormy Daniels story and hearing that, oh, there was a bunch of news organizations that heard about it and sat on it. Fox News knew about the story early, months earlier. So was Slate, by the way. Oh, so was Slate. Isn't that interesting? That is Jacob interesting. Weisberg knew about it. Talk about the left and the right, you're both being played by the same. Who was the first outlet that attacked me full on viciously after December 11th? Was it Fox News? Was it Red State? Was it Breitbart? No, it was Slate. Slate. Slate is an interesting, um, doesn't Microsoft own Slate? I don't know, but At some point know, they the, do. the editor was married to a guy whose dad was married to Angela Chow, Elaine Chow's sister. Oh. What well, a small town that, New York is. That little crowd. Okay, I got it. The, the connection to the tapes there, the grab them by the pussy tapes, is, is really interesting because the reason they landed up doing this deal with Stormy Daniels and this deal with AMI is because they knew that they couldn't take any more of those. They knew that the, on that day, the Inside Hollywood tape came out. And then on that day, the first batch of GRU emails was suddenly released into the marketplace. And that was Roger Stone and company. They start flooding the market with the first of the, G of the hacked emails from the DNC. And that sort of worked effectively, but they knew that they couldn't do any more of this. So that's why knowing his history with women, they launched this first of the schemes, let's hide all these women and pay them off scheme. That was basically the Stormy Daniels scheme that he was indicted for today. Now he didn't really need to do that, but he did it. He might've gotten away without doing any of this stuff, but regardless, this is still that grab and buy the pussy tape that he's bringing him down indirectly. It's still that. So was that a, so was that a shakedown? 
The which part of it was a shakedown? The the, the grab by the pussy tape was that because that the mob loves to do that to each other. Yeah. Right? Something Trump said after I believe the, the, as the open the open source story goes after Comey said, "Look, there's this dossier out there that says that you were involved in some lascivious stuff in Moscow. It's generally unsubstantiated, but it is circulating quite broadly." And I believe Trump was quoted as saying, "So do you think I'm going to have to pay for this?" Which a lot of people are like, "What does he mean? Does he mean that?" this is going to have an impact on him? Of course. That's a, an ugly thing. It's like, no, guys, this guy's a mob guy from New York. He's like, am I going to have to pay? Is this a sh is somebody shaking me down? Is this a blackmail thing? Right, I got right. to give a briefcase of money over. And, and you'd this be is asking what happens you when you have legit, not like organized crime connected or supported by the unions. Every minute of narratives reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. Wink, wink kind of presence. We've had those before. Kennedy's, Reagan. Yeah. And we've had, there's no more mob connected president than Harry S. Truman, who was owned lock, stock and barrel by the Kansas City Tom Pendergast machine. There's been no bigger mob president then Harry S. Truman, uh, also a great president. And we don't think of it that way. But we had Harry Truman was the front guy. We didn't have Tom Pendergast. Yeah. A cigar. If you got to get a picture of Tom Pendergast, he is <laughs> the big hat wearing, cigar chomping, ruddy faced guy next to Truman going, ah, this is my boy. Yeah. We had tr Truman. We didn't have Tom Pendergast. With Trump, we had the cigar chomping guy. Yeah. We had and, the guy, you know, the Don. The real Don was in there. Yeah, trying to rule yeah. the world. You know, he's you like know, one of the Dons. He's, he's not a capo. He's not a capo di tutti capi or anything, but he's he's like, wait, am I going to have to pay? Am I getting, are we getting shook down? Fuck this guy. This fucking guy. And who's he asking? You know, he's and, asking Comey if he should pay because- Yeah, it's he's like, so am I going to have to pay? Let's talk about corrupt. It's anyone like, if anyone would know, Comey would. <laughs> but that's how, but here's the thing. Comey worked organized crime in New York for a long time. And Comey, hey. Comey would have known- Comey would have known what Trump was getting at. Look, Comey not, I got a lot of questions about Comey, but Comey knocked me over one time. He says something about how Trump spoke of certain people in a certain way. He says, he's a friend of ours. And that's phrase. This is Comey talking. He talked about this guy. Well, he's a good guy. He's a friend of ours. Uh, and I'm hearing, because I grew up with Italian, I'm hearing him go, oh, he's talking, he's one of our, he's a friend of ours. Oh, he, and he's like, he reminded me of the mob guy. So Comey had a lot of knowledge of that, but that's how, that's the, when you get Pecker, AMI, that's a whole mob play. Let's talk about what we're really opening up here. And we have talked about organized crime. We've been talking about organized crime on this show somewhat, but it's like, let's get into the real stuff here. What is the relationship between organized crime and media? Some of it is what makes it onto the media. And what could make it onto the media if you don't do what we want? And so that begs the question, how chummy is the mainstream media with organized crime? And I think the answer is pretty goddamn chummy. Very chummy indeed. In fact, not only chummy, they, for all intents and purposes, they own the media. When you really look at the ownership structure of all these companies, they're often controlled by some mob forces who have a direct say on what is covered and isn't covered, which is why you don't get the full truth on traditional television. You, don't, you just don't get it. You do get the full truth here on narrative because no one's telling me what to do and what not to do. 
or you what not to do. Everywhere else, yeah, hey, nobody can tell me what to do. Nobody. I'm, I'm <laughs> ungovernable. <laughs> I figured that part out. But it's a big, it's what you're saying is right. You've got the media is controlled by the mob. The politicians are certainly influenced by the mob. The mob is no longer just a, maybe it never was, but it's certainly not just a domestic mob. We have a mob that's intertwined with Russian intelligence services, with the Chinese intelligence oh, yeah. services. You know, they're now basically a front for our adversaries. And they're controlling the media. They're controlling the message. We've spoken about Fox News. We've spoken about all these other things. And they're controlling the justice systems. In some cases, I think they're controlling the investigators, the FBI and others who are there to, to prosecute some of these cases. Maybe that's changing now. But certainly in 2016, we saw signs of that, that the, the mob or had a lot of influence over people investigating people like Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And, the, and they control many of the prosecutors and many of the judges. There's a lot of owned judges out there. So no. we actually got to the point today where I just got full circle here that Donald Trump was sitting in front of a judge and the crimes are serious and oh, they're now, felonies. Now we're getting into it. Now we're it, getting into it's, it. It's saying yes. what? It's saying that we've that, we're cleaning things up. Things are beginning to be cleaned up and it, things have changed. And Trump's been in that city a long time. This is not him getting pinched in Georgia. This yeah. is not him getting pinched in Des Moines, yeah. Iowa. Yeah. This is his hometown. And yeah. we can point to the name, the Italian family name that he was more associated with than others, right? Yeah. Because he did some work in Gambino territory and I, I think he did. Fred I think chastised he did. him for it and yeah. said, don't go across the river. That's, we're not, that's Gambino. But that, these are the things we have not been, we're not been supposed to talk about. And yeah. it's time to talk about them. And one of the ways we signal to everyone, hey guys, the math is not going to work out like it used to. Things are not going to go like they did because look. Take a good look at this guy. How much dirt does he have on everybody? Michael Cohen had 16 cell phones. He was one of the biggest archivists of organized crime in New York, right? And worked, for, worked with Trump. How, how many of Trump's hotels have been wired up over the years? What does he got? What does he know about everyone else's finances? Because everybody uses his stuff. He's not dumb. How did he survive this long? He's been the he biggest peddler. He has dirt on, yeah. and he was just, and he was just, he just had the highest security clearance on earth. How much dirt has he got on anybody he wants? And he still couldn't beat the rap here. Couldn't beat it. And in the city of New York, where every New York police department member thinks of him as a saint because he's funded their union for God knows how many years. And Rudy Giuliani, who was his lawyer, was the mayor of the city. And this is not just, this is his home. This is a place that's protected him. And even in New York City, this man could not find his way out of this. Now, he might still. This is just an indictment. This is just the arraignment today. There's still a lot of opportunity for him to fight, but he is going to be spending the next foreseeable future, probably the rest of his life, either fighting these court cases, or, and there are going to be many, or in jail for them, none of which is going to. No one in that city, he's going to be able to protect him. There's no one in power right now in New York City that was able to protect Donald Trump from being arraigned today on those 34 counts. And that is a giant step forward for, for American justice, American democracy, frankly. You know, I want to jump on the progress we've had in rooting out some corruption in the justice system. I haven't seen a lot in the judge space here, but we had, uh, they indicted an assistant U.S. attorney out of the Northern District of Florida. This is in the U.S. Attorney's Office, he former head of the Civil Division, a very responsible position. And this woman was helping funnel contracts from the U.S. Attorney's Office without proper going out for bid properly to her husband's company. Covered mm -hmm. it up. She just caught a, she just caught an indictment as an assistant, a high ranking assistant 
U.S. attorney. Here in the St. Louis area, where I have my eye on things, we've had like about 50% of the major prosecutors, like the top prosecutors in the surrounding four counties, 50% of them are gone in the last few weeks. One was taken down on civil rights crimes for using his office to extort women into rape who were defendants in the courthouse that he worked at. He was a head, he was the top prosecutor in the county, a guy named Mike Crabtree. He went down on a civil rights charge and we had the St. Charles County prosecutor just quit last Friday. After, and there's, I'm dropping a few things. These things start coming down. The reality of changing at the top, it starts coming down the line and corrupt people are going to be removed everywhere. I remember where it was, Southern District, New York, U.S. Attorney, the U.S. District Courthouse, one of the clerks in the SDNY courthouse went down on a corruption charge with an attorney buddy of his there. If you get charged in federal court, you have a right. Uh, if you get charged criminally in federal court, you have a right to a federal public defender for free. And uh, these are usually serious crimes and federal court is no place to mess around. So you probably don't want a defense attorney. And this guy was grabbing defendants on the way through the system and going, hey, they're not going to do a good job for you. My friend will actually get you out of trouble here. And so he was funneling, he was funneling these defendants who had free services at the ready over to his friend and he was taking a taste of it. And so they indicted him at <laughs> working at the SDNY courthouse, <laughs> the belly of the beast. No, that is just really great news for America that if you are using our democratic institutions to feather your nest, we are coming for you. The grownups are home and we're going to fix this place. Let me also just say that what is great news for America is having people like you, people who paid a big price in the last few years for the, the work you've been doing. I, I know how much it's cost you, not in terms of money, of course, it has that too, but just in terms of the fighting spirit and, uh, and soul destroying stuff that's happened to you in the last few years. But you have stood your ground and continuously returned to the main issues at hand and continuously pointed your finger at this man, Donald Trump, who was flouting the law and so egregiously that you knew it was so egregious. And you've continued from the first day that you published Game Theory to, to continue to, to argue that this man is a criminal, continue to argue that he's a traitor, continue to argue that he should be brought before a judge. And in fact, today you finally got to see that happen. And I don't think that's not, it might be easy to say other forces were out there doing it. And I know you'll try to be as humble as you can about this, but the truth for it, if it is, you did a lot in the last six years to make sure that this doesn't disappear. And there have been many attempts to stop you from talking, stop me from talking, but certainly to quash the story that, that Donald Trump is a criminal. And we saw the list that Bard gave us today of the amount of t crimes that he did, but of course, that doesn't even include the crimes he wasn't ever prosecuted for. The crimes like the coronavirus crimes, like the NATO crimes, like the, right. the crimes against Americans of uh, voting rights, like the crimes against just Americans in general for the polarization that they put us through. Crimes of his tweets. The, the crimes, crimes of Spelling errors. Yeah. You, and you've been a real force behind all of this. And I'm thrilled to know you. It's an honor to know you. And I'm glad you're here to like share. Guys. Thank you. And it's, I'm glad you're here to share your experiences and to keep your eye on these things because, frankly, it takes people like you who are just not your typical follow things as they are people, people who understand where, you know, what their values are and understand when things are going wrong and are able to identify them. And, and you've shown again and again that you can do that. I have a spectacular inability to shut up. And for those who wanted to shut me up, it's a fool's errand. The many have tried and it's never worked. But well, I, I wasn't just that. trying to, thank you, sir. I wasn't just trying to get 
Trump put away. I mean, the fact that this guy was able to rise to the place that he did was so alarming. And it was just, it was a sign of the collapse of character of the country. It was a sign of the collapse of the mechanisms for nothing else near and dear to my, my heart, counterintelligence. Like we are supposed to stop people that are owned by the bank of China before they, they run for president. They're not supposed to even make it onto the stage. How Shh, that, that we don't talk about that. Counterintelligence is not about putting people in jail. Counterintelligence is about making sure that people that really work for the bad guys get neutralized. Mm -hmm. The fact that this guy got on and everyone's, the fact that there was a Trump-Russia thing. Like, look, the Russians came at the 1980 election between John Anderson and Carter and Reagan. They came at the 1992 election and George H.W. Bush and Ross Perot and the Chinese were involved in this and that. This has been going on a long time. Sure. But the fact, again... You had the Roger Stones were these the these scurrying little rodents in the shadows that that you had to be a real Washington insider or New York Swingers Club insider to know that guy or mm. be in the wrong street in Florida to know a Roger Stone or a Paul Manafort. They weren't running the campaigns. Right. That's why in my position, one of the reasons I was so on the ball and one month after the election is earlier that year in 2016, it was like, Mike Flynn, where the hell? Wait, wait, what? Mike's bad. What? What do you mean, Flynn's, Flynn's working with the campaign? I was just in Russia because mm. these things make it around when you were head of an intelligence agency and you're traipsing off to Moscow. Because here's the thing: they always invite all those guys. They invite every head of an intelligence agency. Come, come to GRU headquarters. They do that with everyone, but nobody goes. Mike actually went. Yeah, and then pocketed the money, fifty thousand dollars. Everybody's money, yeah. NSO group's money, yeah. Emirati money, everybody's money. And, and then he was, it's not that these, they, look, these scumbags have been out there, but they weren't at the top. And then the media was just like, let's talk, let's talk about some email stuff about Hillary that nobody's really going to get into. Because by the way, some of her IT practices were really problematic, but we weren't, yeah. we weren't talking about that. We were just talking, oh my God, we're going to put Trump under the entertainment umbrella on HuffPost. And we just amused ourselves to death in that election. And these incredibly threatening figures bubbled up to the surface in a way that they had never. And I think it's funny. We're talking about the Trump trials, the 34 counts here, the fact that it relates to the media industrial complex. That really needs attention as to who gets to tell the stories, who is influencing who, which media outlets are really spy outlets. Many of it's them. time to have that discussion. <laughs> we need to have the discussion, but we also need to stop like the, the making of Donald Trump from The Apprentice in, under NBC and Jeff Zucker and company at home. Oh. It's still today. And the fact that he was then coincidentally the head of CNN in order to amplify the stuff. And this stuff is, it seems like ancient history now, but it's not. The truth of it is many of these news organizations remain the same. They haven't really changed. As you pointed out in a tweet yesterday, the, the weirdization of Donald Trump in 20. 23 is the same weird sensationalization of him in 2016. And you've got the same forces doing the same kind of thing. Suddenly you've got 24 hour coverage of him riding in Broncos and his journey to his prosecution. It's fine. You're making television, but you're ignoring a hell of a lot of other stuff that's happening in the world at the same time. And you're seem to be celebrating it in a way that's not about, I'm not saying celebrating it, it's celebrating him in a way that is not, that is not necessary. I'm okay with you celebrating the fact that justice is being done, but the fact that you're making him seem, I don't know, 
such a victim of this. It seems I, inappropriate to me. You know the the Twitter account, New York Times Pitch Bot? Yes. Doug, Doug J. Balloon. Yeah. Huge fan. Brilliant. Just, he just nailed, he, he, in basketball terms, he shoots 99% from the line. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. He says stuff like, be like, Finland joined NATO today. Here's why that's great for Ron DeSantis. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, that he is, whoever that the masked man is, he's got these guys nailed as to yeah. how they think and how they filled these events into this ridiculous format that is really actually pretty, it's obvious. And I just love the totality of his writing because mm. it's very, when you think about it, like from counterintelligence perspective, mm. like the powers that be have picked DeSantis because Trump is clearly not a a reliable guy anymore. Hell, he comes on and starts going, remember that time we had to pay off Nixon over that stuff? He's <laughs> like, he's even Hannity doesn't want to be in the same room as that dude, right? Uh, yes. This is not good for Vladimir Putin. I'll tell you that much. That's the best. The best thing that we're getting out of this is that those ties between Putin and she and the mob here are being broken and that the leadership here is. Are being... you just not saying Netanyahu because you want the technology on this show not to crash like it does every other time <laughs> you mentioned Netanyahu? <laughs> I say the word BB, it's like, cuts me off. <laughs> No, I, let's see, Bibi, by the way, I'm glad you mentioned Bibi. This Saturday, the, the, uh, the protests continue in Israel. They're not actually done with the protests around Bibi Netanyahu, and they're continuing on Saturday to make sure that he uh, doesn't... It's over. It's probably after, things yeah, are slowing down a little bit, right? Tomorrow night's Passover, next night's after, and then after Passover, they're back. I think he thought maybe he'll delay things and it'll be gone. Meanwhile, it's keeping on his defense secretary or defense minister, which is surprising because he fired him the other day. So maybe the defense minister is answering to a different drummer, maybe. And maybe these are the last days of Bibi Netanyahu. Maybe, just maybe, we might see a revolution in Israel. I don't think it's over by a long shot. And I think the intervention by the Biden administration is laudable. And, and yeah, this might, this, the very same force that is bringing Donald Trump to, to a courtroom today may also topple Bibi Netanyahu in the coming days. So it's certainly worth keeping an eye on that as we watch what's going on in Israel. I think we're coming into the a well-earned phase here where we're going to start to see the fruits of our labors in, in supporting democratic institutions. And let this be a lesson to us. They're a lot of work, take a lot of work. And if you are not engaged in them, someone else will engage in them for you. And you may not like how it turns out. Absolutely. And we'll leave you tonight on narrative with the words of Alvin Bragg as he describes exactly what the scheme was that Donald Trump participated in to influence the 2016 election and why he was up for 34 counts for making false statements in front of a judge in New York City today. Have a good night, everybody. Did Donald Trump repeatedly make these false statements? The evidence will show that he did so to cover up crimes relating to the 2016 election. Donald Trump executives at the publishing company, American Media Incorporated, Mr. Cohen and others agreed in 2015 to a catch and kill scheme. That is a scheme to buy and suppress negative information to help Mr. Trump's chance of winning the election. As part of this scheme, Donald Trump and others made three payments to people who claimed to have negative information about Mr. Trump. To make these payments, they set up shell companies and they made yet more false statements, including, for example, in AMI, American Media Incorporated's business records. One of the people that they paid to keep quiet was a woman named Stormy Daniels. Less than two weeks before the presidential election, 
Michael Cohen wired $130,000 to Stormy Daniels' lawyer. That payment was to hide damaging information from the voting public. The participant scheme was illegal. The scheme violated New York election law, which makes it a crime to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. The $130,000 wire payment exceeded the federal campaign contribution cap. And the false statements in AMI's books violated New York law. That is why Mr. Trump made false statements about his payments to Mr. Cohen. He could not simply say that the payments were a reimbursement for Mr. Cohen's payments to Sandy, to Stormy Daniels. To do so, to make that true statement would have been to admit a crime. So instead, Mr. Trump said that he was paying Mr. Cohen for fictitious legal services in 2017 to cover up actual crime committed the prior year. And in order to get Michael Cohen his money back, they planned one last false statement. They planned to mischaracterize the repayments to Mr. Cohen as income to the New York State tax authorities. Every minute of narratives reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. One day you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative, where truth lives.